0: This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network.
1: The following contains mature subject matter, coarse language, intense situations, and is meant for an adult audience. Listener discretion is advised. times of loneliness and in darkness take heed of those who are only too quick to offer salvation for as much as it conjures angels it can also reveal demons bleeder's digest issue number six mr nobody
0: this story is called mr nobody by lauren shand i was six years old when my parents divorced i mean i don't blame my dad my mother was out of control. The best way to describe her was a word that rhymes with witch, but starts with the letter B. She was a horrendous person, and she was so hard to live with. I mean, if I could divorce her, I would. My dad was the reasonable one. He at least tried to understand me. She wore the pants in the relationship, and my dad would often cower and gave in to her. Probably just to shut her up. My mother was an overly refined woman. You never saw her without her face on. She loved living in high society, and that's something my father was able to provide for her. She had lunch with her friends weekly, and always dressed like a million dollars. I'm not sure why she even wanted me. I was too messy and didn't fit into her perfect life. I think after all her friends started having kids, she felt pressure or thought she was missing out on something. I mean, it all starts with one of them wanting a baby and praising the joys of motherhood for them all to want to have one. Her friends are cut from the same cloth, all wealthy and egocentric. So procreating is just something to do when you're bored and have everything and anything money can buy. Babies were the new Birkin bag, but my mom got a knock off Louis Vuitton with me. I often called her by her first name, Andrea, just to piss her off. She constantly reminds me... Victoria! Don't you dare call me by my name. I deserve your respect. I didn't go through 20 hours of labor to hear you call me that. It's Mother. It was more like evil Satan devil lady. Victoria, I can hear you. Sorry, Mother. I swear she harnesses some sort of resentment toward me for not being able to get back in her size 2 genes since the pregnancy. I'm an only child and kind of lonely. Andrea never wanted to play with me, and my dad was always gone at work. I think he worked such long hours to stay away from her. She would always nag at him and use the only power she had to make him feel like he was a piece of crap. She loved controlling him and their relationship, just like she liked to control me. My mother would often arrange playdates with her friend's children, but I didn't like any of them. All the girls wanted to play dolls and pretend to be mini-versions of their mothers. Yuck! That sounded like a death sentence. I could hardly stand being around my mother, so why would I want to pretend to be just like her? The only boy that ever came to play was William, but he was so boring. He didn't like to play anything. He had all these weird allergies and just wanted to stay indoors and read. I liked to climb trees, play baseball, and build forts out of sticks. My mother didn't like me to do anything I found fun, so we constantly argued. She never appreciated my thirst for adventure and the way my creative mind worked. My talents were wasted on her. Before I knew it, it was fall and I was starting fourth grade. Yay, another year at Wellington Prep. I hope you can hear the sarcasm in my voice. Of course, Andrea had me go to private school. I wanted to go to public school like all the kids on TV. You didn't have to wear this stupid blue and black checkered skirt with a white-colored PK shirt. And, of course, don't forget the elitist school logo embroidered on the left upper side of the shirt. Ever since I could remember, I was always told how incredibly bright I was. Like, off-the-chart smart. I loved learning about new things and was so curious about the world and how it worked. I even skipped a grade when I was in first grade. I thought maybe this year would be different. Learning excited me and people didn't. Maybe this year would be different and I would make some friends or fit in socially. I didn't belong at home. I didn't belong with my mom's friends. I wasn't allowed to belong with the boys down the street, but maybe I can belong there. My mother quickly pushed back the curtains to let the morning light in. I put the blanket over my head and shut my eyes. Time for school, Victoria. You're going to be late if you don't hurry up. Ugh. Well, I guess the alternative was hanging out with her all day, so I'd rather get ready for school. I got dressed and hurried down the stairs for breakfast. I grabbed my lunch and rainbow backpack and headed out the door. I made sure to pull out my brand new water bottle. The walk to the bus stop is long enough for me to need a few sips of water on the way. The autumn wind tickled my face and made my long auburn strands of hair dance around my freckled face. The trees had started to lose their leaves, and their branches brushed up upon the windows of neighborhood houses. I sat alone on the bus ride to school. All the kids sat with their friends, and the only open seat was next to Dustin the dummy. I wasn't sitting next to him. I was already struggling in the popularity department, so I didn't need to downgrade my status even more. When I got to school, I was greeted by my new teacher, Miss Anderson. She seemed really nice, and I was excited to be in her class. I sat behind Misty Coldwell. She was one of the most popular kids in fourth grade. Her dad created some tech company, and they were disgustingly rich. For some reason, she had it out for me. I mean, I wasn't that special, since she had it out for everyone who wasn't in her social circle. I raised my hand and said, "'Miss Anderson, may I use the bathroom?' She motioned me to go. Hurry up. We just started. Please use the restroom before class. I hurried to the bathroom. I guess all that water on the way to school caught up to me. I peed as fast as I could, wiped flushed, and went to the sink to wash my hands. I turned on the water, which was ice cold, and started washing my hands. I looked in the mirror and noticed what looked like a bruise on my face. I leaned in closer, resting my body on the sink. I got a better glance and saw it was just a dark smudge of dirt. As I went to grab some water to wash it off, I noticed the sink was full of water and dripping down my shirt and onto the floor. Crap! My shirt and skirt are soaked! Now it looks like I peed my pants. What am I going to do now? I tried to dry with one of those hand dryers that are super loud and scare the crap out of you. But it didn't help at all. I reluctantly went back to class with a giant water stain on the front of my skirt. I rushed into the classroom and headed straight to my desk, praying nobody would see what I had done. Just as I slid into my desk chair, I locked eyes with Misty, who by nature moved her bright green eyes down, and by the mischievous grin on her face, I knew she had seen. Look everyone, Victoria Peter Pants, do you need a diaper? What a baby! I sat at my desk, (laughs) coiled in a ball, covering my ears and shutting my eyes tight. I could feel my face turning bright red, and I could just feel the kids staring and laughing without me even looking at them. Miss Anderson told Missy to stop, and tapped me on the shoulder and sent me to the nurse's office to get cleaned up. Luckily, they had a spare change of clothes that I could use. It was so nice to be drawing away from my classmates. At lunch, I could hear whispers from the other children, getting wind of what happened to me in class that morning. They would look at me and pretend they weren't looking at me. I took my lunch and ate it in the bathroom. Another thing I had seen on TV. Finally, it was the end of the day, and the bell rang. I stuffed my folder, books, and water bottle in my bag, and headed home. I always take the same route to the bus stop, but Misty and her friends were on that path, and I wanted to avoid them and any other ridicule. I had heard and seen other kids taking a path through the woods that was said to be a shortcut to the bus stop. Normally, I was content with my normal route. It had never failed me in the past. I decided to try the way through the woods this time, anything to avoid those mean girls. I loved the sound the crunchy leaves made under my shoes as I stepped on top of them. The place was covered with tall, colorful trees, and there was a blanket of brown leaves covering the ground. I was a slow walker, and as I got deeper in the woods, I saw less and less kids until I didn't see any at all. The woods started to look bigger, and the trees seemed to grow taller right before my eyes. I think I'm lost. I went from full-on calm to panicked in a matter of seconds. My palms were sweating. I could feel my heart beating outside of my chest. I was scared. All of a sudden, my legs started moving fast and I was running. I didn't even tell them to run. I was so paralyzed with fear that they decided to do that on their own. I think my legs knew something I didn't. I ran looking back and forth behind me and then in front of me, but not really paying attention to what was in front of me. As my skinny leg jumped up to take another step, my other foot landed sideways on a big rock that was hiding under some leaves. I tripped and fell on my stomach. I could feel the skin on my knee tighten, and I knew it was skinned. My elbow and arm hurt, and I'm pretty sure I would never be able to eat again because my stomach was so sore from the fall. I lifted my head up, and that's when I spotted him. He was tall, skinny, and all black he was standing by a tree 20 feet away. I picked myself up and dusted the dirt and leaves off my face and arms. Normally, if I saw something like that, I would have pissed my pants for real. Something in my head told me not to be afraid. I slowly started to walk closer to the figure who was waving me to come closer. I looked behind me to make sure he was talking to me, and realized I was totally alone. What did it want with me? After about 20 steps, me and the figure were eye to eye. Standing right next to him, I saw how massively tall he was. He must have been 7 or 8 feet. His face was the shape of a planchette with horns on top of each side of his head. And on top of his head, in the middle, there was something that looked like a small antenna with a weird symbol on top of it. The shape of his eyes were two large, perfect circles that were outlined in the darkest black. The inside of his eye... The actual eye part was all white, and they glowed like headlights from a car. His left eye was sunken in a bit and was oozing this long string of reddish-black mucus blood. It was dripping like a faucet. A drop of blood slowly fell from his eye and splattered me on my brand new white tennis shoes. My mother is going to kill me. I looked up at him again and noticed he didn't have any nose. The craziest part of him was his creepy-looking teeth. His face was mostly teeth. He barely had any lips, Just what looked like hundreds of long, sharp, yellow-stained, pointy teeth. He wore a big black cloak, made out of cloth with holes in it. He had super-long claws that looked like they had skin and blood stuck underneath the tips. Hello, I said nervously. What's your name? He responded with a deep, gravelly voice. It was a tone that I had never heard before. I'm Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody. That's your name? That's not a name. I guess your parents must have thought there were too many Johns in this world. I'm Victoria. Do you want to be my friend?
1: Yes.
0: Mr. Nobody explained that he had a bad reputation for doing bad things. He said they weren't true at all, and that people who were afraid of him made up stories about him because he looked different. He also asked if I had ever heard of his name before. Of course I didn't. I would have remembered a name like that. He seemed kind of lonely, like me. So I invited him to come home with me to play. When we got to the bus stop, the bus had already left. We had no choice but to walk home. He didn't seem to mind. I did most of the talking. Actually... "'He talked very little. "'I think he was shy. "'He was a great listener. "'I told him all about my horrible day "'and how mean Misty was to make fun of me. "'I also warned him about my horrible mom "'and what a fun sucker she would be. "'He seemed to be really interested "'in the stories about my mother "'and how mean she was. "'I told him if he was scared of her, "'I would protect him. "'When we finally arrived home, "'I told him to run upstairs to my room. "'It was the second door on the left.' I knew my mom wouldn't approve of him. If the child didn't belong to a country club, they weren't able to play with me. I'm pretty sure Mr. Nobody didn't belong to one. My mother stopped me on the way in the house and asked me how my day was and why I was so late. I told her I missed the bus and made a new friend. Before she could ask me any more questions, I told her I had a lot of homework and ran upstairs to get away. When I got upstairs, Mr. Nobody was nowhere to be found
1: of Bleeders Digest, Issue Number 6, Mr. Nobody, after this.
0: The next day after school, I hurried to get back to the woods to see if Mr. Nobody was there. He was in the same spot I found him in the day before. He said we could help each other out with our problems. He asked me to try and bring Misty to our secret spot in the forest, and that he had a surprise for me. He also warned me not to tell anyone about him. The next day at school, I told Misty that I found a really cute puppy in the woods, and it was stuck, and I needed her help to get it free. My mom had been watching the news last week, and there was this story about some kidnapper who would lure kids to his car, telling them that he found all these puppies that needed help. Misty was dumb, and I knew she would agree to come. She loved animals especially puppies. When we got to the spot, I couldn't find Mr. Nobody anywhere. Um, where's the puppy, Victoria? I don't see any puppy. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure where it went. It has to be here somewhere. I think I hear it. Come on, Victoria. We both know there isn't a puppy. I mean, are you this desperate to have friends that you thought you can trick me into coming here? You're such a loser. As she went on about how pathetic I was, I looked up, and Mr. Nobody was standing right behind her and she had no idea. Within a flash, he picked her up by the front of her uniform and lifted her up to his big, white eyes. She was so close, I could see Misty's reflection in them. Misty instantly started screaming, with her legs kicking rapidly. She begged me to help her. I thought it was funny, and I started laughing. Same way she laughed at me when I returned to class wet from the bathroom sink. Mr. Nobody slowly tilted his head back, and the antenna on top of his head started to grow, and the emblem on top of it spun. He opened up his mouth wide. Inside his mouth, he had a second mouth, with razor-sharp teeth around the jaw, that gaped wide enough to swallow a misty hole. And that's just what he did. I was fascinated by those razor-sharp teeth on a second mouth, I watched them puncture little triangle holes all around Misty's body that slowly leaked her blood as she was going down. It was like an assembly line. When I looked into his white eyes, I could occasionally see Misty's bloody face floating by as if she washed ashore in his body. The left eye started oozing blood again. I didn't think a band-aid would fix it or I would have offered him one for my backpack. Mr. Nobody told me that I would never be alone again. that we were one, that we could depend on each other, and together there wasn't anything we couldn't do. I believed in that, and I believed in Mr. Nobody. When we arrived home, we were exhausted. I mean, I know how I feel after I eat Andrea's Double Decker Tacos, and Mr. Nobody ate Misty. Like, a whole person. We stood on the porch as I explained to him that my mother would be upset if she saw him and that he should climb the trellis to my room. I told him not to take it personal. She hated everyone, including me. As I pointed to the backyard, the red front door slammed open. Victoria! What are you doing out there? Oh, man. How am I going to explain this to her? Who are you talking to? Come inside. I want to show you something. I can't believe she didn't see Mr. Nobody. I mean, he was standing right next to me talking. Gosh, she's so high on herself, she didn't even notice him. I mean, it was for the best. When we got inside, I told Mr. Nobody to go up to my room, and I would be there shortly. I put my backpack down and hung my jacket on the hook on the wall and headed into the kitchen to see what Andrea wanted to show me. Look! You've been invited to Jenny Harris's birthday party on the lake! I didn't want to go to Jenny Harris's party, but I knew my mom would make me go. Yeah, I don't want to go. Jenny is mean. They probably meant to send it to someone else. Gosh, Victoria, you're always so negative. Is it so weird to think that someone might want to be your friend? I'm not even going to answer her. My mother was convinced that Jenny's intentions were pure. I later found out she invited everyone in the class. Her mom didn't want to exclude anyone. I knew Andrea would make me go no matter what. She always wanted me to be accepted and popular for her own selfish reasons. She wanted a second childhood and was trying to live that through me. And she always made me do things I didn't want to do. Victoria, what's all this red stuff splattered all over you? It's everywhere. I told her Jason Brown had been so clumsy and splattered his ketchup packet on me by accident. She told me to put my clothes in the wash immediately so they wouldn't stain. I must have had Misty's blood on me. I didn't realize there was any red on me. Mr. Nobody needs to be more careful. I wasn't gonna take the blame for his work. I marched upstairs, put my dirty clothes in the wash, and retreated to my room. Mr. Nobody was gone again. I wonder where he goes at night. The sun kept trying to poke its way through the thick gray clouds to reflect its light on the docile lake. The sound of children playing echoed through the water and reflected back into my ears. When we arrived at the party, the moms were, of course, talking about the disappearance of Misty Coldwell. How could she be this popular and deaf? I heard one of the moms say that Misty's friends were waiting for her to show up on the walking path, and she never did, and she'd been missing since Tuesday. I'm shocked she never told one of her dumb friends that she was going to meet me. I bet she was too embarrassed to be seen with me. As if my day couldn't get any more annoying. Dustin the dummy came up to me. Hey Victoria, you got super close to winning the spelling bee, huh? So why didn't you? What an idiot. I didn't win because I didn't know how to spell arachibutrophobia. Dustin shrugged his shoulders and walked away. What I didn't tell Dustin was the fact that I had suspicion that Andrew had cheated. He just had to. I mean, who the hell knows how to spell that? The whole party, all the kids talked about was Misty and how Andrew won the spelling bee and the shiny trophy he got awarded. Nobody even cared that I came in second. I was so angry because I should have won. That trophy should have been mine, and Andrew won by cheating. I looked around and noticed how ridiculous the parental supervision was at this party. All the moms were up the hill drinking wine and gossiping, while the kids were spread out all over the lake with nobody watching. All the kids were taking advantage of the situation and doing whatever they wanted. With this lack of supervision, a kid could really get hurt out here. Damn, here comes Andrew. And is he... No, he can't. Yes, he is. He walked down the hill with a super-annoying, frumpy rhythm, and was holding the trophy he won. I snatched it out of his hands. Let me look at that! It was a bright, shiny gold color, with the cutest bee figure at the top. Wow, this thing was heavy. Wellington didn't skimp on the quality with this one. It should have been mine. I took the trophy and aggressively handed it back to him by shoving it in his arms. I would never let him know how bad I wanted it or how amazing I thought the trophy was. I told him that it looked cheap and they probably got it from pick and save. He could tell I was angry. Victoria, I'm so sorry you didn't win. It was such a great competition and you did so awesome. I mean, you were so close to winning. Is he making fun of me? Is he bragging? I started to get flushed and turned a tomato color. I asked Andrew to walk down a little further to where the sun was shining through the clouds. Without any hesitation, he walked down to where I was standing by the water. All of a sudden, the sky got dark, like a dark cloud had covered the sun. That dark cloud was Mr. Nobody. As I turned around, he and I made eye contact, and within a matter of seconds, Mr. Nobody had taken the trophy from my hands and started to slowly pierce Andrew's skin through his stomach with it. He used the bee's stinger to make the first opening. Once the stinger had made its way through, Mr. Nobody pushed harder, for so the whole thing was shoved inside Andrew and the bee was coming out on the other side of his back. His light blue shirt started to turn an ugly rust color. He was losing blood fast, and his t-shirt started to absorb it like a sponge. I looked at Andrew's face, and he was in pure shock. Blood started slowly dripping out of his mouth. Mr. Nobody kicked the rest of the trophy through Andrew's intestines until the big fat bottom was lodged inside his stomach. That was the first time I saw someone's intestines. And boy, did they look gross. Andrew fell to the ground and landed practically in the water. As Andrew floated away to his new home, Mr. Nobody snapped the bee off the top of the trophy and handed it to me. At least he knew I was a winner. Before I knew it, the current from the lake pulled the small body in and washed away the blood-stained dirt on the shore. In the distance, I heard, Cake time! I rinsed my hands off with some lake water, and Mr. Nobody and I went up the hill to have some cake. After we sang happy birthday to Jenny... I saw Andrew's mom pacing back and forth, followed by a look of complete panic. She called out Andrew's name frantically. I complained of a stomach ache and asked my mother to take me home. She said we should stay and help look for Andrew. I told her that he would turn up. He's probably just playing in the water. I knew they wouldn't find him alive, so I wanted to leave. I told her, I have a stomach ache and I think I'm going to vomit. Andrea grabbed her keys, and we all got in the car to head home. On the way home, I noticed both Andrew and Misty's bloody heads floating behind Mr. Nobody's eyes. At least they had each other. I wondered what would happen to the two of them. Would they be stuck there forever? I asked Mr. Nobody where he lived, and where he went at night. Andrea interrupted me by asking who I was talking to. I told her my friend. She nervously asked, What friend? Mr. Nobody, I said. I thought it was a good idea for me to tell her about him. We were best friends, and he was so helpful. Mr. Nobody? That's his name? Yes. What does Mr. Nobody look like? He looks like nobody I've ever seen. And he's in the car right now? Well, of course he is. He's sitting right next to me. My mom looked super concerned and confused. I heard her make a voice memo to call a child psychologist. When we arrived home, I made sure to hide the piece of the trophy that Mr. Nobody had given to me. I tucked it away under the folded shirts in my dresser drawer. The next morning, Mr. Nobody and I were in the yard having a tea party. My mom swung open the back door, and she was holding the snapped-off bee from the trophy. She seemed angry and disappointed. She had a look on her face. That I still, to this day, can't describe. It was a look she had never made before. Victoria, I was putting away the laundry and I found this bee. It looks a lot like the trophy Andrew won at the spelling bee. Is it a piece of his trophy? And what are you doing with it? And is this blood on it? I couldn't even get a word in. What's with all the questions, I thought? Did you have something to do with Andrew's disappearance? Start answering me, damn it! I told her that it wasn't me, that it was Mr. Nobody. I said he was the one who gave me the bee. Then she started talking to herself out loud, but in a quiet sad whisper. I heard her mention that she needed to call the police. She started sobbing uncontrollably. I didn't want the police to take Mr. Nobody away from me. He was the only one who understood me, and he trusted me. I saw her grab her phone and heard the sound of three numbers being dialed. Mr. Nobody looked at me, and I knew what was coming next. I didn't try to stop him. She had this coming for a long time. I watched the antenna from the top of his head grow and extend about five feet. The weird symbol on top of the antenna kept spinning repeatedly, catching more speed with each passing second. Like a drill, the emblem and antenna kept spinning and slowly pierced straight through the top of Andrea's perfect head, clumps of her hair and scalp flying in the air like a washing machine flinging clothes against the drum during the spin cycle. I watched her eyeballs slowly move up, till her blue eyes were in the back of her head. Her eyes turned white and glowed. I don't know how deep that antenna went inside of her, or the damage that was done from it. I could only assume it looked like a blender had turned her insides to mush. White foam was coming out of her mouth, and you could hear her slowly choking on it. She had turned a pretty shade of blue, and tears and black mascara were streaming down her face. She started shaking uncontrollably, until she slowly stopped. Mr. Nobody's antenna let go of her, and her body fell to the ground. The sound it made was such a relief. All the moments of anger, frustration, and despair disappeared in that very moment out of the corner of my eye I saw red and blue lights flashing on the reflection of Mr. Nobody's big white saucer eyes lunch was served at 12 noon and you had to make sure to clean yourself before they let you eat this place has a very interesting smell to it the best way to describe it is old lady socks mixed with onions disgusting you must be wondering how I got here I know I do So, charges were pressed against me for the murder of Misty Coldwell, Andrew Sanders, and Andrea Tesley. Apparently, my fingerprints were all over the murder weapons. Like Andrew's trophy, and weapons like knives in a baseball bat. I don't remember touching those, which is so strange. I'm on medication, and I'm feeling so much better. I've been on chloropromazine, haloperidol, lufenazine, olanzapine. I've literally been on it all. Whatever they have me on currently is working great. I realize now that it was all in my head, and ever since I've been on my meds, I haven't seen Mr. Nobody. I know I made him up. During free time, all the patients from Halsey Sanitarium gather for either a game of table tennis, reading, or organized arts and crafts. Barbara over there loves to stick dry macaroni up her nose. It's so entertaining when they try to take it away from her. I was really good at table tennis. Knew I had such a talent for the game. As I served the bright orange ball to my opponent, I saw her staring at the corner of the room. There was nothing there. I looked back at my fingers in position, holding the light plastic ball, getting ready to serve. My head was totally in the game. I moved my other hand up with the paddle, positioned and ready to pounce. As I moved my arm, I saw to the corner of my eye a black. Sinister figure. Mr. Nobody stood in the corner. He was standing right behind my annoying roommate, Jessica. I opened and closed my eyes multiple times to make sure I wasn't dreaming. Mr. Nobody was holding two full syringes in each of his disgusting hands. As I blinked one last time, I held my eyes shut for a few extra seconds in hopes that when I opened them, Mr. Nobody would disappear. As I slowly opened my eyes, Mr. Nobody took the needles and stabbed the sides of Jessica's neck with each hand, injecting her with the content of the syringes. Jessica fell to the floor. I was in complete shock. But, I mean, Jessica had it coming. She really was a horrible roommate.
1: Mr. Nobody. Written by Lauren Shand. Featuring Gwyneth Glover as Victoria. Chrissy Fox as Andrea, Scarlett Shand as Misty, Everett Shand as Dustin, Riley Cummings as Andrew, Lauren Shand as Miss Anderson, and Spider-One as Mr. Nobody. Production and sound design by Trevor Shand. Bleeder's Digest is created and curated by Spider-One, Chrissy Fox, Trevor Shand, and Lauren Shand. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to never miss an episode. Bleeder's Digest is a presentation of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network.